the past couple weeks talking about waiting, right? We've been in this series that hope is here, but that before hope was here, there's a lot of waiting coming up to it, right? We know there's 500 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, we know that there was thousands of years before that, you know, as, as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the children of Israel and everything and, and going all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? That they was, they was waiting. We talked several weeks ago about how even at that time in the garden, God gave his first prophecy that he would send his son, that he would send a seed through Mary to step on the head of the serpent and destroy him. And that's who Jesus Christ is. So years and years and years of waiting. But over the past couple weeks, we've taken a, a, just a step back to, to look at, at a couple individual characters. Because Christmas time especially, there's, a, there's more evident, it's more evident that we're waiting on stuff, right? Either we're, we're waiting for school to let out because we want to go home. We're waiting to spend time with family. Some of us were waiting for the holiday dinner with our in-laws to end so, so we can just go home and go back to our place and, and you know, put on our comfy clothes and cover it in a blanket and take a nap, watch the you know, 25 days of Christmas on a Hallmark or whatever it is. We, you know, we, we're waiting on these things. Sometimes Sometimes we're waiting on a new year because maybe this year's just been a really rough year. And we're hoping the next year will be a, a little better. And we're, we're waiting on that. We've looked at, at a couple of people in, in Scripture. We talked a couple weeks ago about Simeon and how during his, his long period of, of, of waiting, he, he had hope. He, re, he remained hopeful in what God could do, that God would fulfill his promise. We spoke last week about, about Elizabeth during her season of waiting, that there was a purpose to her waiting. Even though she might not have seen it, there was a purpose to her waiting, that ultimately God used her waiting and the lessons she learned there to be a comfort to Mary. And today we're going to go a little bit deeper into Mary's season of waiting and, and what she faced and what she went went through and, and just what that looked like and what we can learn from, from Mary's waiting. Amen. So today we will speak on, on Mary. If you want to turn with me over to Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48. That's where the scripture will be. We'll have it up on the screen, though, for anybody who wants to follow along there. Um, but we, we've, just been, we've been hitting around. Simeon and Elizabeth, you know, they're not really well-known characters. You know, they usually don't show up in a Christmas play or a Christmas program or anything. Elizabeth might make it here or there, but Simeon usually doesn't. They're kind of little, you know, just lower tier on our, on our pyramid of who's the, the big names in, in scripture. We don't think of Simeon and Elizabeth, but we we do think of Mary, right? Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the, the one that the, the Gabriel came and said, held out that are highly favored. You know, God's chosen you to carry his, his son. I mean, this is a, a big deal. This is Christ, the one that we worship, that we serve, that has saved us. This is his mother, right? And it's a big deal. He's a very important person in Scripture. But, but there's a lot that we might overlook. We might just glance through. We know that she's the, the mother of Jesus, but we might not ever really take a look at at her story. So Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48. We'll read a tiny bit of it here. But it says this. It says, Mary said, this is when she's going and with Elizabeth. So he kind of just butts up right against last week's sermon. It says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Luke chapter 1. Verses 46 through 48. You look at that scripture, you might think that sounds, that is somebody that is rejoicing, that is somebody that is, things are going well for them, that is the sound, that is the uh, the voice of somebody that is really, things are, you know, things are lining up for them, but when we look at our, our story, we might not, we might not actually see that at this point in her story. But let's talk about being blessed in the, in the waiting. I, I find Mary's choice of war, words interesting in scripture, right? Right there, she says, they shall call me me blessed. Have you ever asked somebody how they're doing? 
Maybe a stranger, maybe somebody you know. How you doing today? What do they say? Maybe they'll say, I'm blessed. Right? I don't know about you. I, I might be the only person that does this. But sometimes when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I use the I'm blessed answer when I just really don't want to get into it. Right? I'll say, I'm blessed because, well, I could go on and on. And I could tell you all about how so-and-so did me wrong. And I could tell you how the washer's on the fritz. And I could tell you how these kids, they won't shut up for one single minute. But instead, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to say, I'm blessed. Right? We do that. You know, might be that answer that that's just, I'm just not going to get into it. So I, I'm just, I'm blessed. Right? Here we see Mary. She says, I'm blessed. They will call me, me blessed. But sometimes... In seasons of waiting, we don't feel so blessed. Even though, yes, we know we're saved, we're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, He is, he is transforming us, He is making us into His image, He has he is saved us from, from hell and, and that torment, we can spend heaven with Him. But sometimes in the moment, in the long, long periods of waiting, sometimes it's hard and we just don't feel that blessed. We don't feel blessed in those times. You know, think about maybe everyone's getting married and you're still you're still single. Everyone's having kids and you're still out there trying. All the people that you went to college with, they've got promotions, they've got good jobs, but here you are, you're still where you at when you came out of high school. Everybody else, you're seeing people getting healed and you see people talking about on Facebook that, that I, I feel better than I was. My cancer's gone. My, my whatever was going on, it's fixed. And, and you're still here waiting for your healing. You're waiting. And it's hard to see when everybody else is actively being blessed. When everything else is going seems to be going right for somebody, it's easy to feel not so blessed. It's easy to feel like we're not blessed in those moments. Now, we don't know everything about Mary. We don't know everything she went through during this time. We get a, a few instances and a few bits of Scripture that, that detail her story while she was pregnant with Jesus. We see some afterwards, and then we see her at the cross, right? That's about the extent of the story of Mary that we get in Scripture. We don't see a bunch, but we can know, like we talked about last week and just from looking at the culture, we can know that her road while she was pregnant with Jesus was not easy. We know that undoubtedly she faced severe backlash and shame because she was unwed and she was with child. There was no doubt people that she grew up with, people that she was friends with, people that you know she may have learned things with and spent time with and got really close with, that whenever the news got out that Mary's pregnant and they're not married yet. She's not moved in with, with, with Joseph yet. They, he's not finished the house yet for her. They've not got to that point. They're just espoused. They're just betrothed. And she's married. No doubt there was people at that point, people that she loved and trusted and thought highly of, that she thought she could trust, that wouldn't even talk to her at that moment. They were passing her in the street and wouldn't even give her a casual glance. Seeing all aspects became ostracized in much of her community because of what they assumed she had done. For Elizabeth's harassment was probably been hushed behind closed doors and hushed and, and silent. People openly victimized and talked about Mary, made fun of her, shamed her for what they thought she had done because it was a disgrace in their society. It was a disgrace in the Israelite society at this point for, for a woman before she was married to have a, have a child. 
And oftentimes, in, 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 in a lot of situations, that woman would, would be shamed, would be outcast from the community, would never have a husband again if they even if they didn't stone her. A lot of times, that was the punishment for this. She would be stoned for committing adultery or fornication and, and having a child or conceiving a child out of wedlock. And it was it was difficult for her. She had a hard hard time in this place and in this season in her life. Imagine that pain. Imagine that suffering. But here we see, she says, henceforth all generations shall call me me blessed. She's going through this season of waiting. With all this pain and this suffering and this, this frustration and all the shame and the disgrace that came upon it, that she brought upon her family, that she brought upon her siblings, that she brought upon Joseph. And here she is, she says, I'm blessed. I'm waiting for something that I don't see. I'm waiting for something that they don't understand, that they don't believe, but I'm blessed. And we can have that same mentality, that same confidence that we too are blessed. Mary knew that she was blessed because even though everything was was just going really bad for her in this moment, going really bad during this season of suffering, during this season of waiting, that things were just difficult and hard, she knew that she was blessed because she knew that the work of God was evident in how He was working in her life. Now for Mary, it was very clear. She was with child. I mean, every couple of weeks, she could tell. She began to feel Jesus kick, began to move. She, she had the morning sickness. That's something that's been going on forever, not just you know in the past couple of centuries. People, they would have that stuff back then. She knew that God was working in her life. She saw the evidence of it daily. Now, for some of us, though, God's working might not be as, as evident. You might not see the daily changes, the weekly changes. You might not have to see how things adjust or become modified or grow over a certain amount of time. You might not see it until God moves and the waiting is over. But be confident in this. God is working in your situation. And because He is working, you are blessed in this time of waiting. In all this struggle and all the heart, no matter what you're waiting on, no matter what you see going on else around you, you can know that you are blessed. Because God is working in your situation. God is doing something. God is maneuvering. He is making things happen behind the scenes where you can't see them so that they'll line up and they'll come together when the time is right. But you can be confident that God is working on something. And you can have that blessed, know that you are blessed because of that. You might not see it. You might not be like a child that Mary had, but you can be confident that God is working. Now, though not the blessings he was referring to, another blessing that God provided for her during this, this time was, was, was somebody to wait with her. We don't oftentimes think about the relationship between people in Scripture, right? We, we think of them as an individual character in their own story and, and stuff, but, but these stories, they come together. We talked about that uh, last week, that the stories come together. And we talked about Elizabeth. How Elizabeth was somebody that Mary had a relationship with that was good for her, that helped her, that benefited her. But Joseph also had a strong relationship with Mary. She stood, he stood by her side through, through all of this. Now, we most, most of us probably know the story of, of Joseph, right? He, he became a spouse to Mary. They, they planned on being wed through, through the Jewish culture and everything. They become spouse maybe nine months to a year ahead of time before they actually become, became wed and everything uh, so that the man would go off and he'd build a house and the father of the bride would, would have to approve of the house and approve of the situation. And then they would have a, uh, be married and they would move in together and they would actually, that would be the, the finality of their wedding. Right, the finality of their marriage, they would come together in that sense. 
most, but, but Joseph was betrothed to Mary. He loved her. You know, we didn't understand that. But then he finds out that, hey, Paul, we're a spouse. She's, she's pregnant, you know. Whatever it means, if she told him, if it became evident, you know, he realized that. And the Bible says that he came to a point and he said, well, I'm going to, because it said that he was merciful and he was a righteous man, that he was going to put her away privily, right? We understand from their culture that, you know, maybe there was a chance he was just going to try to divorce her privately so that whoever the husband or whoever the, the dad really was might step up and, and take ownership and say, hey, this is my kid. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to, you know, whatever. We made we did whatever we did. And now, you know, Joseph, he's, he's, he's treated her well and I'm going to step up and I'm going to be the father of this dad. You know, maybe that's what he was hoping for because because Joseph was a rock man. He was a merciful man. He was a good man. He didn't want ill for Mary. He didn't want ill for the child. He, you know, he was just thinking of, you know, what was going on in the situation. Then we know that the angel Gabriel, the same angel that went and talked to, to Mary, came to Joseph and said, hey, basically, don't worry about it. This is what she's saying. No, it might sound crazy, but what she's saying, it's, it's true. This child is, was conceived by by the Holy Ghost. She's, she's, a, she's a virgin. She's not been unfaithful to you. She's not done you wrong. She's not sinned in any way. This is God working in, in her situation and ultimately going to be working in, in your situation as well. So then Joseph, he believes that. He hears the word of God. He hears the promise of the, of the angel Gabriel and he, he latches on to it. He says, okay. And he stays faithful with Mary throughout the rest of that. We never have any indication through Scripture that there was, that there was doubt, that there was ill content, that there was any frustration. It, it had all accounts and reasons to believe that he was faithful to Mary, loved Mary, showed Mary all the compassion and, and support that she needed during this difficult time. He was what Mary needed. And we all talk about how God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. But I think we look at this Scripture, and what we should understand is God chose Joseph too. Because God waited till Mary was espoused to give Mary the son. God could have gave Mary the son before Joseph ever came along. Before Joseph ever laid eyes on Mary. Before Joseph ever went and talked to Mary's daddy. Before they ever made plans. He could have given Mary the son then. But he waited till Mary was espoused. So that's telling me he chose Joseph just as much as he chose Mary. But he chose Joseph for a special reason. Not just to be the, son of, the father of his son. But to be somebody to wait with Mary. Because he knew the road that Mary had was going to be difficult. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You have something going on in our community. Some, a teenager does something or whatnot. And word begins to leak out and everything. People begin to talk about how that family always makes mistakes. Or they always do this stuff. It was just as bad back then, right? They weren't just a bunch of holy people back 2,000 years ago. They were sinful like we're sinful now. They would talk like we would talk. They just said it in a different language, right? It was, it was bad. And God knew Mary shouldn't have to wait through this alone. Just like in the Garden of Eden when he created Adam and he said it's not good for man to be alone. He looked at the plan he had and he saw Mary and he knew that what she was going to face He's like it's not going to be good for Mary to wait through this alone. So I'm going to give her someone to wait with. Someone to wait with. And that's the role that Joseph built. God chose Joseph. For that reason, for that purpose, knowing that he was righteous, he was merciful, he was a good man, that he would stand with Mary and that he would wait with her. When the world was telling them to do other things, when all the men in the synagogue were saying, Joseph, this is what you should do. Joseph, you know how we handle this situation. Joseph, you know what you, what's going to go on, what's going to happen from this. He said, I want to take her to my wife. I want to stay with her. I'm going to be faithful to her. I believe her. I believe what she's telling me. And they, they went through that. We see their story unfold into what God divined it to be. But what we need to be aware of is that even in our waiting, 
we are not alone. That's what we can realize from Mary's story. Is that even while we're waiting, we see Mary and we often isolate her and say, well, that's just Mary. But Mary was not alone. She had Joseph there with her. Joseph comforting her. Joseph listening to her. Joseph being the, the support that she needs. Being the one that would shield her, no doubt, from some of the community's scorn. And some of the community shame. What they would say. He would stand there to shield her from that. And not let that get to her. Because he loved her. He was somebody there going through the waiting process with her. It's not good for us to try to wait alone. We're not made for, for isolation. When you're going through a season of waiting, you shouldn't just go and pull away and say, well, I'm just going to isolate myself from everything. I'm just going to pull away from all this so that I can get through this. No, that's not how God created us. God did not create us for isolation. And that's twofold. First, we know that we are never alone. He tells us that in Matthew 28, 20. He says, I'll go with you all the way, even to the ends of the earth. He says, you're never alone. So when you're waiting, whatever you're waiting on, right? Health-wise, financial-wise, just relationship-wise, just, just going through things in your everyday life and you're waiting. No, you are not waiting alone. Christ is there with you every step of the way beside you, leading you at times. We, the, the footprint in the sand poem, you know, sometimes I'm carrying you, sometimes I'm leading you, but I'm always right there with you. You're never alone, no matter what you're waiting through. We see that, we understand that. But secondly, we also see that, that Christ is very relational. From the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, what does the Bible say? It says that He walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's relational, right? We see how Christ did ministry. He called 12 men when He very well could have done it all Himself, right? He could have just done whatever and then gave somebody some kind of revelation there at the cross and they could have went and carried out His message to the rest of the people. He chose 12, a relational thing. He built relationships with other apostles. He began to, he got to know them, know their stories. He sat there, we talked about this morning. He sat down and had meals with them. He, he had, knew their families. He went and healed Peter's mother-in-law. He knew these people. He was relational in that aspect. Our God, our Christ, is a relational God. And He desires for us to be relational as well. He desires for us to be together as well. He desires for us to grow close as well. He values relationship. What that means for us is that God doesn't want us to wait in isolation. doesn't want us just to hold up somewhere just to get through this season. That's not what He wants. Now, yes, I understand there's times and there's seasons where getting away and being by yourself in private is beneficial or maybe even necessary. But to spend your life in isolation, to spend that whole period of waiting in isolation, saying, I'm not coming out until this happens, or until this changes, or until this situation goes away, is not what God has prescribed for us, for His creation, for mankind. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not what He wants. He is relational. He came and His whole purpose in coming, we, we call it salvation. But what is that? It is bending the relationship that was broken in the Garden of Eden. It is making God created Adam and Eve and mankind to be one, to be united, to be connected to the divine. Their sin broke that. He came to save us so that He could once again fix that. The relation. The relation so that we would not be alone. We're better when we have people to, to wait with. Right? I mean, that's what Ecclesiastes, I believe it's 4, uh, verse 11 through 12 says. It says, again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? 
Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You hear the scripture read a lot at, marriage, at weddings, right? But it's not just about weddings. Nowhere in that scripture does it say this is a wedding scripture. This is when a man marries a woman. It's not what it says. This is just purely talking about relational communication, connections, relationships. That's what God desires for His people. And He lays that out. Not just says you should do it, but He says this is the benefits of it. What one can't do, two can. What two can't do, three can. And when you come together, you can get through more than by yourself. So you shouldn't go off and isolate. You shouldn't go off and, and just push everybody away. If God has put people in your circle, in your orbit, He's placed them there for a reason. Just like he placed and ordained Joseph to be Mary's husband, and I want to, I want to put, I want to help. I have Mary have this son whenever she's a spouse of Joseph, so he'll be there, he'll be around her, he'll support her, he'll help her, he'll wait with her. You've been placed in people's lives at the time that you are for the reason sometimes just to wait with them through the season that they're going through, just to wait with them while they wait on God to deliver them out of this place or deliver them into the next season of the life or to deliver them into what that, that thing that they've been praying for just to, just to wait. Just to wait with them. We'll say, well, that doesn't sound exciting. You know, we talk about ministry sometimes. We talk about serving and sometimes we want to do the big thing and we want to, to do the exciting thing. It's like, well, just waiting with somebody doesn't sound very exciting. It's what God calls us to do sometimes is just to wait with people. To be with people while they wait. While they wait on the move of God. Just to be there so that they're not alone. So that they're not isolated. To be that support. To be that, that confidant. To be that help that they need when they're, when they're going through difficult times. We should be there to wait. We shouldn't discount or ignore those that God has placed in our circles. We shouldn't say that they're just there. Because what the enemy wants to do. He wants to convince you that you're alone in this. He wants to convince you that no one else cares, and no one else understands that you're waiting and what you're waiting for. One, it might never happen, but two, nobody understands why you're waiting for it anyway. You can't convince me that the enemy never went to Mary and said, nobody understands you, Mary. They think you're crazy talking about you can see the child of God. What do you think? But Joseph would speak the truth into her. I believe you, Mary. I'll wait with you, Mary. When everybody else has turned you away, Mary, I'll be there with you. We need to be that, that person. Just as, as we shouldn't push away those that, that, that we can wait with, we should offer to be the ones to wait with them. Right? We, on the flip side of that, we should go and we should be, make sure that we are present and available in people's lives. We should make it clear, I'm here. You know? Sometimes they'll accept it. Sometimes they won't. But a big part is just making yourself available. Saying, I'm here. If you just need to wait for a minute, if you just need to sit in silence for a minute, if you just need to, somebody to be there, not to say anything, not to talk about anything, not to preach at you, not to share scriptures with you, not to do anything, but just to wait with you, I will wait with you. Because there were times, no doubt, Mary crying late at night. And Joseph just sat there, not saying anything, just waiting. Because even after Jesus was born, they still made fun of Mary. Even after Jesus was born, they still mocked her. They still shamed her. 
Mary probably never got the normal life of a, of a woman in, early, in the early centuries of, of the Jewish culture. She never had normalcy. But Joseph was there. Joseph was there just waiting. Just waiting. Day in, day out. Just waiting. We oftentimes, we, we discount what it, the importance of just being there. Maybe if you're married, you, you realize that a little bit more. Maybe you've had your spouse just want you to be there. Maybe that's you know that's become a little bit clear that the importance of that until you get married maybe you might not understand that but there is great importance, great significance, great benefit to just waiting with somebody, just being present and available in their life during their season of waiting, whatever they're they're waiting through. I have to give them the statistics that you found on the web. You don't have to read them something just to wait with them, just to wait with. God places us in places for reasons and seasons that we don't understand. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is in Esther when she gets basically called up to be queen. She's told she's going to be queen. Didn't get an option of that thing. She didn't want it, right? I mean, because of, of all the things that happened. I mean, his, the previous queen just got ousted, right? Well, it didn't go well. We don't know all the, all the things, but, you know, early times... Women weren't valued and treated the same way in marriage and relationships as they do now, right? Especially in, in you know relationships that are outside of the Jewish culture. You know, it was bad a lot of things. It was property and ownership in, in most aspects. That's how it was viewed. She didn't want to be the queen. And she had an uncle or a cousin, it escapes you right now, Mordecai. Uh, that was one of the guards. And uh, paraphrasing, he said, Esther, maybe you're here at this time and this reason for this purpose. It's purpose. We talked about purpose last week. But maybe you are came into this person's orbit during this season just to wait with them. And then when the waiting's over, you might go your different ways. You might never talk to them again. You don't know. We don't know what the future holds. But you fulfilled the role that God had desired for you to feel while you were there. Might not have been flashy. Might not have made a world of difference to you, but you were there when they needed you. And that's what Joseph he was there when Mary needed her. And that's why we talked last week about the tapestry. God just aligns everything perfectly. He had Mary conceived once she was already espoused to Joseph, so Joseph would have known Mary. He fell for Mary. He loved Mary. He wanted a relationship with Mary. He knew, he knew Joseph was a holy man, a righteous man, a good man, that he wouldn't just, just, just scoff at it, that he would allow the Lord to lead him. And when the Lord led him to stay, he stayed. And when the Lord led him to wait with her, he waited with her. When the Lord leads you to wait with somebody, when the Lord leads you to be present in somebody's life, when the Lord leads you to just to be available in somebody's life, do it. Wait with them. We talked about how waiting's not fun. We get that. Waiting with somebody else when you don't have anything really of consequence, you don't have a horse in the race, might not be the most fun thing. But it's a thing that can bring benefit and glory to God and assistance and help. An encouragement to that person that you're, you're waiting with. Man, I, I'm thankful that I've had people wait with me. I'm thankful that during times when I was going through difficult seasons, when I was struggling, during different different things in my life, family issues growing up, or you know just figuring things out as I became an adult and stuff like that, I had people that were patient with me, 
I had people that waited with me. I had people that just sat there with me. They didn't tell me all I need to do, but just was there with me when I just needed somebody to be there with me because I was scared or I didn't understand or I didn't know what was going on. They were there. They were available. We are to be those people. We are to be those people that are there, that are there, that are available, that are waiting with people. And if we're the ones that, that are going through the waiting already for whatever it is, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. Don't be afraid to call somebody. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody. We have this stigma, this idea in culture and society now that, that asking for help is weakness. No, it's not. Nowhere in Scripture does it say to ask for help is weakness. We've read through Proverbs over the past 20-some weeks, right? And I've never once, we never hit a verse in it. Proverbs is all about wisdom. He never tells his children it's, it's a bad idea to ask for help. No. It's a bad idea to ask bad help from the wrong people. But it's, it, he, he gives the advice ask for help from the wise, from the caring, from the compassionate, from the godly men and women. He encourages his children to do that. We should do that. When you're waiting, and right now you're waiting alone, reach out to somebody so that you're not waiting alone. They might not know what you're going through. They might not know what, the, what, they're, what you're struggling with. But we as Christians, when somebody calls upon us, we should be there. We should be there. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we see that example from Mary and Joseph. It's a great example for, for, for relationships and marriages. Don't get me wrong, right? This could be a whole sermon on, on an effective relationship in a marriage, right? But it goes beyond that. Relationships aren't just something that, that has to have intimacy, right? Relationships can be friendships. It can be an acquaintance. It can be a stranger that just needs you to be there for that moment because they're just having a hard time in the grocery store and say, you just stand here with me for a minute. Just wait with them, right? You can be all kinds of different relationships, but it's a great example, Joseph and Mary, and how God has worked that together of how we should treat others and why we should always have somebody that we're waiting with. And if you can't have somebody, not then you've got God with you. Man, you always have Him with you. I'm thankful for God's Word. I'm thankful for the Scripture. I'm thankful for the Christmas story. You know, we oftentimes just we just streamline it. Christmas story, Mary had a baby, they went to Bethlehem. Well, they went to Bethlehem. They had a little baby. You know, the shepherds came and the angels came and the wise men. Well, they started out. Some people think they were there, but they weren't. They started out. They started coming and everything like that. And we think that's the Christmas story. Hallelujah. Happy, happy Jesus. Right? There's so many more levels to the Christmas story that God divined and put together and illustrated and authored that we can learn from. Right? Right. And I pray that we've learned something these past couple weeks about waiting. About waiting. Jesus came. Hallelujah. I'm thankful he did. But leading up to that, there was a lot of people that were waiting. And that waiting wasn't always easy. But they gave us great examples of how we can wait upon the move of God. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all that he, he's done. I'm